All right. Topic number three, we're going to look at fine dining and what's going on in the world of fine dining. So not too long ago, Steve Quozo wrote a piece for the New York Post with a subtle headline, Suck It Hipsters, Fine Dining is Back. In it, he gleefully, gleefully celebrates what he sees as a new trend in New York City restaurants, the return of white tablecloths and what he calls, quote, civilized standards of service. And he expresses fatigue and contempt for the more informal, energetic, hip kind of fine dining restaurants like those run by uh, David Chang and April Bloomfield, who he, he called out in particular and complained about their, as he called it, quote, painful seating and noise like what's inflicted on POWs to deny them sleep. So, Hannah, is he right? Is fine dining coming back? And is it coming back here in the South? I mean, I, I hope so. I, I'm really fond of fine dining. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that it's necessarily coming back. I don't know if you saw the story in the San Francisco Chronicle uh, talking about the new form of fine dining. Um, and you can't see my air quotes. Um, <laughs> that's taken off there in which it is counter service. You walk up to the counter, you order your foie gras, um, and then, you know, back to your seat. Um, and it is in every other way fine dining, but they've taken the service out of it, which is, of course, completely oxymoronic. Are there any fine dining drive through windows yet? <laughs> I don't think I think they're anti-car in San Francisco, <laughs> okay. so I don't think they're doing it that way there. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I have not yet seen anything in Charleston that indicates to me and correct me if, if you can think of some. I mean. I haven't seen carpets or tablecloths or anything like that. Um, have you Have you seen anything? Like I, I, I'm trying to think of all the new places that are opening up. No, I think it's still, um, you know, it's still you, you. If you put a white tablecloth on it, people won't come in. They'll They'll think it's too fancy, uh, and, and and no one wants to do that do that anymore. You know, in I've actually been complaining about this for years because, you know, when the, there was that sort of period right after Husk sort of came along and, and all of a sudden everyone started whipping away the, 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 the white tablecloths and the, the waiters started putting on jeans and all that. And then all of a sudden the leather-bound menu disappeared and everything was clipped to a clipboard and, uh, you know, with you know, stamps and stencils on it and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I was sort of – had had this fleeting notion that oh, this maybe this isn't such a good thing and you know it's not so much that I want to go back to I don't care that much what the servers are wearing per se or I don't I don't mind a menu being just a piece of paper versus some ornate leather thing which can be a little bit pompous and pretentious it's more the elements of dining that, that bother me and so actually not long after I was reading the New York Post uh, piece on it I was actually in New York City and trying to find a place to eat and I was wandering around um yeah I sort of got stuck there overnight because my plane got got canceled so I had a, a sort of free night with, no, with with nothing planned so I was sort of wandering around by myself trying to find a, a, a place to eat and ducked into a couple I had a little list of some of the new places that opened up and ducked into a few and they're just sort of harsh and stark uh, but the biggest thing is how crowded the restaurants are you're jammed in there not only you're jammed in like just even waiting for a table or jammed in the bar but then the tables themselves you're crammed on top of people and the biggest thing is crashingly loud you know there, there's all this wood and metal but everything echoes and you can barely even hear the hostess ask you you know how many people are in your party when you first walk in the door? It's funny you mention how tightly the tables are put together, um, which is very, very true. I was just uh, interviewed recently for a story about uh, female food critics, which is a topic maybe we'll take up at some <laughs> point. Um, and the interviewer asked me whether I experienced restaurants any different than men. And the only thing I could come up with is, well, I am smaller. 
And so when I'm in a chair, it usually fits me. <laughs> that, that, that probably helps. Yeah, that, that's, that helps. Otherwise, you have me unless I'm sitting next to you and I keep elbowing you in the, right, in, in right, the back. Right, right. Um, I was uh, one of the places I, I walked into and sat. And often, as I will when I'm on the road, I'll, I'll sit at the bar by myself. And you know, dining by yourself at the bar is always, uh, for some reason, a lot you know, a lot more soothing. Uh, but there's nothing soothing about this place. It was so loud. They, not only were people you know screaming and yelling, they had the music cranked at top volume. What um, was this? Place. Oh, it was just some nameless, uh, uh, okay. you know, New American bistro thing, which had probably flatbread pizzas and their own house ground hamburger, just very cliched kind of food. And um, but I, but it's just it really making it as unpleasant as possible, I think, to be in there. Uh, and you know, and, and it just gets tiresome after a while. I really just want a nice, quiet place <laughs> to, to to sit. And, and think. And it's an actually in stark contrast to the night before when I was up there because I had ducked into one of my favorite places uh, in, in all of New York where I, I tend to go. Usually if I get there late at night um, and, and just want to grab a quiet bite to eat. And that is Keene's uh, Steakhouse on 36th Street, I believe, right in, in the heart of Midtown, where it's usually near near where I'm staying. And it's hard to get in. Uh, it can be packed, the bar, uh, earlier on. But usually by the time 9 o'clock or so, it's a great place to, you know, during the, during the weeknight to grab a I'm just a, going a to a reverie here about <laughs> And I know Manhattan. Hannah is a huge fan of, of Keen's. Yeah. Everything from, you know, if you actually dine at Keen's in the dining room, it's this old restaurant. I don't even know how old it is. It goes back. I should should look this up before, yeah. before talking. But it goes back... You know, early part of the century, at, at least, uh, at one point was a big f- uh, favorite with all the Broadway stars. Um, but, and for whatever reason, the uh, the guy owning Keynes at some point way long ago started collecting these antique clay pipes, these long, like foot long, too long, two, two foot long pipes with these little bowls like you'll see in pictures from the colonial days. And they're actually hanging from the ceiling, just thousands of them, it looks like, you know, all over the tables, which is just this sort of bizarre quirk that you would, you know, you would never see anywhere else. In fact, uh, you know, it's one of their distinguishing features. And it's a, you know, nice, expensive restaurant. You get reservations well in advance to sit in the dining room. Uh, but it's very much worth it, especially if you get the porterhouse steak for two, which is a massive yes. amount of meat. <laughs> right, which is great. You reminded me when you brought the clay pipes. I want to, of course, circle back to the fine dining issue, but you did talk about husk and the that, you know, uh, taking the white tablecloths off the table. As we know now, Sean Brock is opening McCready's Tavern and has not yet said exactly what that will be. And I had a very brief discussion with him, and he said, you know, people don't really think about what a tavern is. And I, I wonder, since you are a historian, um, how, how you would define a tavern, and, and do clay pipes have anything to do with that? Uh, well, they definitely would. I mean, a tavern before... Uh Gosh, before the early part of the 19th century, the tavern was truly the the place of public accommodations. It was a, it, this was before hotels. Uh, it was where people traveling on the road would go to to stay um, you, you know, when they're in a town or, or anywhere else. And so you know, these are small <laughs> buildings. Early on, really somebody's house often. It's really just a house with a big room that they would they would initially so I turn think over. What we're saying is is my fandom of hotel bars dates back it, three it centuries. Goes, it goes 
goes yes. it goes back. Actually, yeah. the, the the hotel bar really dates from the early 19th century uh, as a distinguishing feature because back in the tavern day, there was no real distinction between the hotel and the bar. Right. Yeah. The bar was actually a uh, little cage in the corner where the proprietor could lock up the booze at night when everybody went to bed, <laughs> uh, and you, know, you had different prices. But you know, if you didn't have a lot of money, you would sleep in the common room, which is often there where you know they just roll out the blankets and the, and the mattresses. Um, you know, you had a little more money, you would get a, a private accommodation. But it's basically you know everyone's crammed together, probably smoking their pipes in front of the fire, drinking some sort of rum drink at least if you're in at McCready's Tavern in, in Charleston. Uh, the hotels really did, did developed as an alternate to the tavern, uh, often at times for for um, families or, or women traveling who didn't want to be sleeping in a you know common grubby room with everyone else. And so the hotel with its halls and its separate rooms uh, developed uh, in the early part of the 19th century. And a key feature of that was the bar. So they took that little cage and instead of having it in the corner of the, of the main room, would actually put it off in the uh, into a separate place, which is when the great uh, the rise of the Great American Cocktail and the bar came about, which is a long detour, um, <laughs> but it takes me back to the bar adjoining uh, the restaurant uh, at, at Keene's. And just um, one of my f- absolute favorite things is, you know, it's, it's really expensive to eat at Keene's, but if you sit at the bar, they have a bar menu that's a, a lot more reasonable uh, and actually reasonable portions, too. They're, they're good-sized portions. If you sit in the main restaurant, you get the mutton chop. It's massive. Right. But there's a smaller and less expensive version I usually get. It, I had one just the other night, and it was fantastic. It's, you wouldn't think mutton would be that good good uh it, but it's it this is excellent it's probably about two or three inches tall um you get it medium rare uh they bring mint jelly with it but i never even use it because the flavor is so wonderful and it's not if you've ever had sort of cheap mutton that has you know it tastes like wool you know it tastes like this like the sheep uh a good mutton shop like this which is aged it has just is every bit as much flavor as a fine aged steak and, and it's delightful so it's the primer patch. Oh, the primer <laughs> hash. And, and actually, that's the best bargain you know, yeah. for, for a yeah. New York bargain. Yes. But two people can eat their big plate. It's, I, I would assume it's the way they use up little trimmings and exactly. pieces of the prime rib that they can't serve uh, out in the main restaurant. But, that, hey, it tastes fantastic. They chop it up with potatoes. It's, it's like it's mad. I guess they do it in a pan and then flip mm-hmm. it over. Exactly. On, so it's the size of a dinner plate. And really, two people can eat off of that thing and, yeah. and be full. So it's yeah. uh, that's the tip of the week. Uh, go, <laughs> if you're in New York, it's late. You want something to eat, go to Keene's Bar. It's also quiet after the happy hour crowd clears out. Um, there is not TVs blaring. There's no music blaring. There may be music, but I can't remember what it is because it's, it's it's if there is music, it's it's modest, but it's brown panel and it's just something comforting. And it's it's classic, and in comparison to the uh, sort of clashing loud industrial places I, I was ducking it out of, it's just a, the, the the contrast was stark. But so people keep saying they want fine dining to come back. I mean, Steve Quisco is not the first guy oh, to say not. this, and we keep hearing it. So what? And I think restaurateurs will tell us it's incredibly expensive to do fine dining, and they're going to say it's it's a matter of economics, and that's why it hasn't returned. Is it? Is there any other reason why we haven't seen it? I, I think as well, though. It it it. I think dress actually has something to do with it. Attire. Um, 
when my wife and I, you know, being a little bit older folks, you know, we we sort of grew up when going to a fine dating restaurant, you had to get dressed up. You wouldn't dare to go into a place without you know wearing a tie as a as a as a, as a male, a dresser, or at least very nice, you know, outfit as, as a woman. And you know, now we're you know, something about that has has become a burden to people. And there's always a question: Well, can I wear jeans? And I tell her now, you can go anywhere in Charleston in jeans. You'll be absolutely fine. They won't throw you out of any place I know of in town. Even uh, even in a city like New Orleans, which does a far better job of dressing for dinner, there's been a lot of scuttlebutt about the Caribbean Room reopening, which John Besch now has taken this over. It just um, reopened in June, I believe, um, and it is a jackets required. Now, in this case, if you don't wear a jacket, he keeps a uh, rack of Billy Reed loners. <laughs> so you're, you're, you so may you'll want be, to not wear a jacket. You'll be you'll, stylish. You'll yeah. be very you'll stylish if very you nice don't. Jacket. But so even it's be, it's become, you know, very unusual for there to be any sort of requirements put on diners, whether they're, you know, sartorial or otherwise. Um, but when we talk about fashion, I, I recently had a, a discussion with Hugh Atchison, who's opening a cafe here in the Club Monaco with uh, the baking company baker, Chris Wilkins. And one of the things Hugh said is he was really excited about the synergy of food and fashion. Oh, really? Yeah, really. Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, Charleston is a fashion-forward town. Um, it definitely I was, is. I was on a plane not long ago where the uh, the flight attendant said, "Well, no, I'm going to come down the aisle just, you know, to check that everyone's shoes match their clothes." And people cheered. They were so <laughs> excited. So we do have food. We do have fashion. Thus far, I don't think they've come together. I can't think of a you know I think there have been times when Charleston Wine and Food has tried to do things with the the big fashion what's the fashion show called uh, fashion week fashion week yeah, yeah there's I don't think it's stuck or even come close to sticking close thing. Billy Reed is involved in a lot of food events it's true. sort of you know but that's what I think the closest it comes uh and sort of I think Billy Reed's style sort of captures the sort of you know the, the current at least uh sort of hip Charleston uh style that the, the, the same people who are dining in all these restaurants with, with menus on clipboards uh, uh, typically are doing so in, in some Billy Reed clothing. That's true. Um, you know, one of the things that is that we don't necessarily need to go back to the world of, of formal dining. It's not like I'm dying to sit in a place with a white tablecloth and crystals all over the place and 13 forks and knives and waiters and, you know, tuxedos with, with silver trays. That's not really what we're I'm missing. I think we, we we're missing something different. And I just want to say before you conclude as to what it is we're missing, because I, I I'm curious <laughs> too. Um, we do have to remember that not everything was positive about fine dining, and I don't just mean the you know the the the, the price or the length of time it took, but when not long ago when I was in France, it was the first time I was handed a woman's menu without prices um so there were parts of fine dining that it really are no longer compatible i think with our current politics yeah um, absolutely and i think and, you know and fine dining had a lot of conventions that made people feel uncomfortable right. uh you know people who weren't raised you know with their parents or whoever teaching them how to order at a restaurant you know the, there are all these rules if you ever i have a bunch of of the old um uh, emily post uh, uh etiquette guides and just reading the the restaurant 
restaurant etiquette section is a ama- is all the rules about the maitre d and, and and you know who follows who uh, you know the man should always lead the woman through the restaurant unless you're being led to the table by the maitre d in which case you go behind because there's now another man who's taking but care of the poor one. I, I've always felt that in some ways counterintuitively perhaps that really is more democratic because anyone can read the rules and follow them whereas now true. in the trendy hip restaurants where do you look to find out that if you do order the steak tartare someone's going to look down their nose at you I mean <laughs> you it, we don't have those kind of manuals and they would outdate quickly I I actually think in many ways um, it, fine dining can be a safer space I, I think so but I think the the, the one of the reasons people, I think, started avoiding fine dining places is they felt uncomfortable and they felt more comfortable going somewhere else. And I think that actually, to me, is a sign that fine dining needs to evolve because it's not like I want to, we really need restaurants that, you know, or, or have particular trappings. It's we need restaurants where we feel comfortable, where we feel like someone is taking care of us and, and being solicitous to our needs and and not, you know, putting you through the, their gauntlet up. Here are our rules. You must follow them. And I think this is an example. It's like, you know, if, 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 if a headline is written correctly or not, it's a whole different thing. It's the same thing. If you do find dining right, I think it's supposed to make you feel comfortable. So um, I, I, I have to sort of, you know, I don't want to tell the hipsters to suck it. Uh, you know, that uh, I'll leave that to to the uh, the New Yorkers to to do that. But I I would like to see a little more focus on comfort, and that includes things like seats. You know, I'd like chairs to be comfortable to sit in, and tables to not you know feel like you're you know braiding your elbows every time you you, you hit around the, the the rough edges. But also, don't cram us in too tight. And uh, I know there's probably some needs on space to do that, but uh, hopefully we can figure out a way to to get more, get enough people in to make the restaurant go without making them sit on top of each other and uh, you know turn the music down a little bit let's not shout you know put some uh, put a few dampeners in there to dampen the noise uh, I know it makes it feel high energy I guess that's that's a lot of people maybe that's what people want maybe that's what draws them in but for me I tend to find myself back at Keens where I can have a little solace of a, of a classic old fashioned and a, uh, at a nice wood panel bar All right, and that wraps it up for this edition of The Winnow. We recorded today's episode in the Deluxe Podcasting Studios at the Post and Courier Building in the best city in the world, Charleston, South Carolina, and it's not just me saying that. Uh, the Winnow is a production of the Post and Courier. Our producer today was the estimable J. Emery Parker. Until next time, I'm Robert Moss. I'm Hannah Raskin. Now get out there and eat. <laughs>